Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Maryam Alawiya, who is a co-founder or a founder of Blue Hands United, an educator in Dearborn Public Schools, and an advocate for persons with disabilities. Uh, we're very excited for this uh, episode, Maryam. Um, how do you feel being on this podcast? Right. Honestly, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I think what you guys are doing is wonderful. Thank need you. It. Much needed. Thank you. And uh, you guys, like very early on, were one of the key inspirers of us moving forward, and you guys motivated us. So uh, just another shout out to you guys Thank for, you. for all lot. your Thank work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, just tell us a little bit about your work, Blue Hands United. Not everyone here in the community knows about Blue Hands United. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about it? Yeah. So Blue Hands United, we started in 2014. Um, and the reason why we started Blue Hands United was to help families who were affected by autism or who are affected by autism discover ways to um, better their lives. And by doing that, so we decided to start supporting and supporting families discover different, you know, maybe therapies or just different things around the community that can support them. And then even within the schools, we also supported with the schools, helping them navigate, you know, so basically just navigate the system, whether it was in school or outside of school, um, get families connected with CLS services, community living services. And also, to me, what most importantly, just be there, you know, just be there for them to listen to them and to let them know that they're not alone. There's so many other families dealing with the same thing that they are. Um, and, and to me, that was most important on a personal level. Um, sorry, sorry to interject. You mind just explaining a little bit about the CLS thing that you mentioned? So community living services, there's a lot of agency outside and, you know, not in Wayne County and I'm sure other counties as well, where they support um, families basically with like getting Medicaid, finding housing if you need it. So each family will have their own support coordinator and the support coordinator um, helps them again within the school um, if they have like IEP meetings. Um, if they need services outside of the school, they help with that, Medicaid, Social Security. Um, so they basically support, and they even have people come to the home for, like, respite care. Um, and then there is also, they have also someone coming into the home, not only for respite care where they stay in the home with the child, but also they take them out to the, in the community. Oh, wow. So it's a service that we make sure a lot of, like, the, the families have it. You know, it's okay. available to the families. So how do these, how do people get involved with such a service? How do people like sign up for it? So Wayne County. Wayne County. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, County. so uh, it kind of reminded me of Access. Access has similar work. Mm -hmm. Is that is there some overlap uh, with that? There is. Okay. There, there is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so is there any significance behind the name Blue Hands United? Um, yes and no. <laughs> so initially when we had our first meeting, um, we had a group of people come and we, you know, we were just trying to pick a name and someone mentioned a hand, you know, and they mentioned the hand because, you know, there's a saying that if you meet one person with autism, you've only met one person with autism because they're all so different. So your hand has five fingers, but they're all different. So that's where the hand came in from. And then blue, blue because traditionally, um, blue was the color that, you know, during Autism Awareness Day, they, you know, light up the lighted up blue campaign. But currently, the neurodiverse community is kind of moving away from the blue. Um, the blue is to raise awareness, but neurodiversity is pushing for the red for more acceptance and advocacy. Um, so they, yeah, so that's where the blue came in from. So that's how I said blue hands. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, and just because this is a platform where we educate, right, I just wanted to kind of mention that, you know, with Blue Hands United, um, we don't like, we don't specify what color. I mean, we, we're, we're sticking with blue because of the name, yeah. but we support the neurodiver neurodiverse community and also, you know, the awareness, the advocacy and the um, education piece. So we're blended in all of it. Right. That's awesome. And, and you know, each thing does have like a, a color that represents it. Sometimes the colors do overlap. Um, and, and I think that's, that's also an important part of awareness mm -hmm. in general. Um, but, but yeah, being all inclusive and, and, you know, uh, not putting so much emphasis on just a color is, is very important. So yeah. what you're doing is, Thank uh, you. is amazing. Um, so personally, I have this question. Uh, I want to know more about your experiences working with kids with disabilities, mm -hmm. but leading up to that, like even up to that point, um, what made, what was your moment where you're like, okay, this is what I want to do, mm. you know, like starting from, from that and then moving on to, uh, getting your master's in social work and eventually, uh, f you know, founding Blue Hands United. Okay. So long story, I'll try to shorten it up as much as I can. I never imagined going into social work that wasn't in the plans for me at all. Um, but subhanAllah, like, Every time I went to school, I was going for like nursing, pharmacy, it never worked out. Something happens and I had to drop out. And then one day I went to meet a counselor who was, she was leaving, that was her last day. Her, the boxes were in the office, she was leaving and she looked at my transcript and she was like, what's going on with you? You know, she's, and I, I explained my story and I, I will share it soon. I, and I told her, I, I, I have, I'm a mom of three. My two youngest have, um, were, are diagnosed with autism. And I explained to her, it was hard, you know? And she's like, so why don't you just go into social work? I'm like, social work? She's like, yeah, you know, just based off of what you're telling me and what you want to do, social work would be the best fit for you. And um, I went home and I thought about what she said. And honestly, I, I, I ran with it. And subhanAllah, ever since I decided social work, everything just like, the doors just opened. And um, so with that, I, I got my master's in social work. Um, so with that, I started working for a, a local school district. And um, I worked as a social worker for two years. But currently, I'm working as the um, autism behavioral specialist for the district. Um, so and then with the nonprofit, um, I, I felt, honestly, like I felt alone when my first well, he's my second child, but the first one that was diagnosed with autism, um, I began asking questions around the community. Like, I wanted to meet another parent that had a child with autism or that has a child with autism, and no one. I could not find anyone. And I'm like, there's no way I'm, I'm the only one in the community. I didn't know much about autism myself, too, when we first started Blue Hands United. You know, it was, I was learning. And so I had to um, call parents, honestly, from Texas and California. I was talking to parents from there to just get some advice from a parent. I'm hearing what the doctors are telling me, but I want to hear from a parent. You know, I want to see what worked for them and what didn't. And um, I just felt like talking to a parent would help me more. Because honestly, when my kids were, when we were first going through the process, you know, they tell you, you have to like get MRIs done and all these genetic testing, but everything was coming out. It was fine. There was nothing. I mean, alhamdulillah, there was nothing, but but why? Like, why does he have autism? 
And so I wasn't getting answers me from the medical professionals, so I wanted to speak to parents and no one. And then Mona Alawi, he's also the co-founder of Blue Hands United, um, she was going through her own personal things with her son, and um, I heard that she was looking to start a nonprofit, and I was, you know, I wanted to do the same thing. So that's how kind of like Blue Hands started, um, and that's how like my journey led me to also starting blue hands you know did you guys know each other uh, before this or? i not really no so it's funny because okay. she's from the same village and stuff wow. but okay you know yeah, not yeah, really yeah. so the magic of facebook <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people think you you guys are sisters oh definitely and we are honestly yeah. like alhamdulillah I'm, exactly. I'm really blessed that i met her that's amazing so could you just uh tell us about your sons and your experience with when you discovered that they had autism yeah um so interestingly enough so my boys Currently, they're 13 and 12 years old. Um, the 13-year-old, we we kind of like immediately knew something was different, you know. Immediately, as in like after birth. Well, like it was like three months. I want to say three months, and I I think I was just I don't know why I think I was just paranoid at that time, you know. And um, at three months, because every time when he's home, he's quiet. Every time we take him out, he just starts crying. No matter what I did. I couldn't like quiet him down until we came back home. Okay. So like that kind of like sparked like something. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And then as he got older, um, he wasn't reaching his milestones. He wasn't, you know, babbling like he should. He was just really quiet. He wasn't crying for anything. He wasn't requesting. And um, also, anytime someone would come over, that would intensify his fear. He would literally grab onto us and no one could come over. We couldn't go anywhere. Um, so I went to the doctor a few times and the doctor just said, you know, it's okay, just, you know, let him be, he's growing, you know, inshallah, it'll get better. But then by the time he was two, um, and I was actually at the doctor's with my oldest son, and so the doctor kind of pulls me in the room and he's like, I think we need to, you know, get him evaluated. And we did, and they, they told me he had autism. And I was like Googling things too. I know you shouldn't, but I was. So I kind of suspected it. So he was two years old at this point when the diagnosis when, was? Yes. When okay. they, and back then, that's when they were diagnosing. Like it was before, after like two, two to three years of age. But now it's they're diagnosing a lot earlier than that. Okay. And then you said, so this, what's uh, the first son's name? Hadi. Hadi. So... After you realized Hattie had autism, you guys ended up having another child, and he also had autism. Which I'm, you know, and um, it's bad to say, but he wasn't planned. Okay. And I was nervous because I read that if you do have a child with autism and then have another one very close in age, the chances of autism is higher. Okay. And, so in, and interestingly, like even Hattie, all his genetic testing, his MRI, everything came out like alhamdulillah normal. But I was really nervous when I found out I was pregnant because they're only 13 months apart. So I'm like, okay, I knew my chances were higher. Um, and I was observing him a lot. But with Sin, which is the 12-year-old, um, he didn't show any signs until, I want to say, a year and a half. Okay. Where had he? I like, kind of knew. Sorry that. to interject so no, many no, times. No, no, it's okay, please. So, so with the genetic testing you mm -hmm. talked about, um, so that was done after... He was he was born. Yeah, during yeah. Well, once they once we suspected autism, or the doctor did, and so they you know they, they you go to medical professionals that do a whole bunch of different testing, um, like cognitive, okay. and then yeah. Because social. when we research and we can ask the mm -hmm. the doctor behind the camera about mm -hmm. um, there's a particular disease or syndrome. Fragile X. Yes, okay. yes. 
Okay, that's yeah. that's a common cause of autism. I, I don't know if it's a common cause, but I think, is it a common cause? Okay, I didn't know if it was a common cause or okay. just something that, you know. Okay, so, so it seems like autism could be inherited in different ways. Yes. Okay. I mean, and it's comorbid with so many other. Right. How have the boys changed, like, growing up from that young age, uh, you know, showing those signs till now? Similar, <laughs> different? Very different. Very different. Um, Hattie, ha you know, when he was younger, you look at him and you knew. You knew something was different. He did a lot of the stimming, the hand flapping. He would go on all fours all around, like, the house and just, like, rub his head all around. I think it was for sensory purposes. Um, again, okay. no how one old was he at this point when he was doing these things? Oh, he was one. Okay. He was really young. Um, again, you know, we couldn't take him out. No one could come over because it increased his anxiety. And um, so with Hadi, we and, and whatever we did with Hadi, we did with Hassan. We put him in ABA therapy. We did speech. You know, in school he was in a center-based classroom. But Subhanallah, Hadi right now he's in. He's going into eighth grade. He's in Janad. He, you know, you think he's a typical child, and he is, you know, and alhamdulillah, he's, he's doing very well. He was considered severe initially, and now he's, mm, like, mild. Um, where Hassan, he is considered severe because he is 12 and he is nonverbal. He does have some aggressive behaviors, and he stems and stuff. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your family after you, you found out, you and your husband, yeah. and now your family ends up finding out and just the, the general Dearborn community just branching out a little bit. How did you feel in that regard? Did you feel supported by by family? We don't have to say any names or anything, mm -hmm. but just by the, in the general Dearborn community, how did you feel? Um, the most support I had was from my sisters. You know, alhamdulillah, I've been blessed with, you know, my husband, Wissam. Um, he has been an amazing support system and he literally, we're, we're partners, and I feel like a lot of times that doesn't happen, and I feel like, you know, fathers need to be as involved as they possibly can because it is a lot. It's a lot for one parent, and, 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 and vice versa. Maybe sometimes the father is the one that is the main person that is, you know, going to all these appointments and going to the school meetings, but I think it's really, really important to work as a team. Um, I know emotionally it gets hard, and, you know, maybe sometimes there's going to be, like, these arguments, which I feel like everyone has, but I think at the end of the day, if you know that you're one team and you have, you definitely have that same goal for your child and just stay focused on that, I feel like it's, it's really important um, for both parents to be very involved and on the same page and um, talk to each other about your feelings. Because I feel like sometimes we don't do that as a couple. We tend to just get so busy with everything that's happening with our child that we don't talk to each other. Um, and I think what's helped me and Wissam out is that communication. It sounds like you and Wissam had, have developed like a common goal that you guys are both striving towards. Absolutely. And I think that's very beautiful uh, where people without a child with a disability or just in general don't don't have that common goal to follow. And you guys working on the, towards that goal together uh, makes your bond even stronger. Well, the divorce rate with parents, you know, with the couples who have a child with autism is, is high. Okay. Um, and, and if I'm being honest, like, Obviously, you know, our tensions were high, especially when we first were going through it. And I think what we did initially was we kind of hid each other feeling each other's feelings because we didn't want to hurt the other person because I like I seen what he was going through. I seen that he was struggling with, you know, his, 
had his diagnosis and he's seen I am struggling. So we didn't share. So the only time, like, we didn't share with each other our emotions. So tensions were kind of high in the beginning, but then we actually sat down and, and we talked about it. And we understood each other's point and we knew that, you know, sometimes I need a break and then sometimes he needs a break and that's okay. And we knew that anytime we were going through something to communicate that with the other person. And I feel like that communication piece helped out so much. And, you know, he didn't leave everything up to me. Um, although he always says, well, you're the professional in this. Um, but he, he's their father and alhamdulillah, he's, he's played a huge role in, in supporting and just being there and understanding everything, every step of the way. So I think it's really important for both yeah. parents to be involved. Communication is the most important thing, like not just giving, but taking mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. you know, like both of them, mm -hmm. uh, conveying your ideas, your feelings, and also listening to the other mm -hmm. person, like really listening, you know, not just like in one ear out the other. So no, I love that um, you said really listen. It's really important. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, um, I think there is so many factors, you know, because one, I don't think they don't understand it. You know, they don't understand what autism is. Even I feel like as much as I explained it, they still don't understand it. Um, so I think it was kind of a fear, you know, as well. So it's like that lack of knowledge and then that fear. And um, I don't think they felt like they knew how to support. Um, you know, one story I can share is one time we were over at my parents' house and, you know, Hattie at that time, there, he didn't have any eye contact and everyone's like, Hattie, Hattie, Hattie. Like I had to tell him just stop. Stop calling his name. You know, he hears you. He just can't look at you. Um, but there wasn't much support. But alhamdulillah, they never made me feel, until this day, I don't feel different. Um, but to say that I have support the way I would have liked, I don't. You know, and community, um, if I'm being honest, it, it, it is hard. You know, it's hard. And I think people always have good intentions, you know, but it is hard because when we do go out, especially with the Hassan, because, you know, Hassan stems and he makes a lot of, you know, vocal sounds. Um, the staring is hard. You know, I get it. You look, turn around, you know, there's, there's something different, but the stares are intense. It's just a lot. And could we just clarify a little bit of what stems are in particular? I know you kind of gestured, but could, could we explain what, so, what stems are? Yeah. So, Every individual with autism stems differently just to kind of um, either, and the doctor can correct me, I guess, but um, so internally, they're either overstimulated or understimulated and that like helps them. Or like my son, I can say, I can speak for my son. When he's excited, he stems. He starts like flapping his hand and he makes these vocal, you know, stimming sounds as well. It looks different with every individual. So okay. I'm sorry. If so I, I take it that it stem well. is short for stimulation yeah okay okay makes like sense a repeated makes behavior sense. my brother he yes. both of his kids have autism and uh i remember like whenever we'd see uh as a son was growing up he has a son and a daughter as a son was growing up he'd always grab like a a longer object whether mm -hmm. it's like a pencil or a mm -hmm. stick or something and he'd just start going like mm -hmm. this um but it is also i believe a sort of relief for them as you were saying earlier about over under stimulation yes. so so you were talking about the stairs you're talking about like when you're out could you could you continue talking about that and what what do you propose that people who who meet your sons how how should they talk to Hadi and, and Hassan? Talk to them like you would anyone else. I always tell them like with Hassan especially, um, yes he's nonverbal. Like if you say hi to him, wait for him. Like wait for him to give you a smile. Wait for him to look at you. You know, don't just say hi and leave. Yeah, I feel like 
just treat them like you would anyone else. That's what I ask. I always ask. We don't treat them any differently. You know, Hsin, um, and I, I know I say Hsin a lot because Hadi, alhamdulillah, like he's, he's doing a lot better. Um, but Hsin is the one that we, like I feel like it's important to talk about him. Well, it's important to talk about both because Hadi is kind of struggling right now socially um, because, you know, it took him a lot longer to, to speak and um, I think just autism in general. But then with Hassan, you know, people recognize him more than Hadi when we're out. They look at Hassan because, you know, there's this, he's taller than me. There's this, you know, there's this big boy and he's making these sounds. And sometimes they're really loud. Uh, like recently, we, we took him to Home Depot and I, something happened and he just screamed and flopped to the floor. So two different people, two people approached us and their approach was very different. One older um, how to be male he tells my husband Adrubo, like hit him like don't let him wow. do that my husband's like no i can't hit him and, and the other lady comes up and she's like well let him do deep breathing exercises you know so it's two different um, both out of the two different approaches so then the, the gentleman comes up to me and he's trying to talk to me about saying i said i'm like i'm sorry i said but you know so i said he has autism and um he's like oh i'm sorry so he knows about autism, but doesn't recognize that this is how autism looks. He thought that Hassan is just misbehaving. Um, but the second I said he has autism, like the whole demeanor change, he's like, I'm so sorry, you know? So that was kind of interesting. So he knew what autism was, but then again, you know, didn't know. That's why these initiatives that, you know, that we have going on are so important to yeah. not just teach people definitions of uh, disabilities and, and things like that, but like, teach them more about them, you know, what to look for, uh, how to, how to like be communicative with them. And, and that's also, uh, you know, going based off the idea that you said, like, okay, even if he's nonverbal, that doesn't mean he's not non-communicative. Like mm -hmm. he can understand things still. Um, whether there's stares, like he'll mm -hmm. know people are looking at him. Um, you know, the things that people say, just because he doesn't talk doesn't mean he can't yeah. understand what other people are saying. He definitely understands it. I mean, I, I, we, we all do. We speak to Hassan Ahadi, like we talk to him normal. Um, we, and he understands, he just can't communicate. He communicates through an AAC device, a, um, a speech device. Could you tell us a little bit more about that device, how it works? So um, it, it varies per individual. Um, there's different programs um, and it just, speech and ABA, they're pushing it. So they have a way because, you know, before they used to use a lot of sign language. Yeah, we don't understand sign language. So that AAC device helps them communicate with everyone and anyone, you know, it's different pictures. And um, they just click on the picture and the it just like, it'll, see it. it'll say yeah. what they need. I heard those devices are pretty expensive. Mm -mm. No. So I mean, yes. Okay. But so but it, your speech pathologist at school can apply for one for you and you get it through like the school, like Medicaid or your insurance and stuff. Um, or if you go to a, you know, a local speech center, they also get it for you. But they, I'm sure they're expensive, but I know like the school supports and also you know, insurance. Yeah, insurance always helps when, yeah, oh, when people have it. it. It definitely does. But just to go back to, you know, how should people treat them, I do really, really want to emphasize just, like, treat them like you would anyone else. I feel like that's so important because, some, like, something my husband and I always, we we agreed that we're not going to treat them any differently. We knew that taking Hassan out to a restaurant was going to be hard. We knew that taking Hassan out to the mall was going to be hard, going on an airplane. But we also thought about it when they go to ABA, 
um, what do they do? A lot of their, you know, the programs are repetitive. So we figured, okay, the first time it's going to be really hard. The next time it's going to be hard. And then, inshallah, with time, it, it eases. So now Hassan sits at a restaurant and he, he orders what he wants through his own, like, communication device. It's the same restaurant all the time, but we're okay with it. But we wanted him to experience that. We wanted him to be able to go out to a restaurant and see how that is. And we didn't feel like keeping him home was going to help him in any way. We we wanted him to be out in the community and we wanted others to see him. That's a common struggle that uh, we've heard a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, especially with with like uh, our last episode with, with Wehbe, for example, he talked about um, how people with disabilities would expect him to stay at home or uh, the community at large would expect people with disabilities to, uh, to just stay at home and amount to nothing. But it sounds like you are realizing the potential that, that your children have and you're trying to actualize uh, those different potentials. So. We, we respect parents like Thank that, and, and uh, it's a big inspiration for, for anyone watching. Thank you. I just, we we had to, we had to put our feelings aside. I felt like it was more about like, oh, how is it, how are we going to, I'm telling you, it's hard. You know, I don't, it really, really is hard, and I do want to stress that. But with time, it gets easier, and we, we looked at it in both ways. We wanted Hassan to experience that, but we also wanted people to see him. You know, we wanted people to see how individual, because I, we don't, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, like when you go out to restaurants or to the mall, how many individuals with autism do you see? You know, and I'm talking about severe autism. We don't see much. Like a lot of times I, like, I just see a sin, you know, and I want to encourage parents to do it, not only for their child's sake, but also for others around us in the community to see them and kind of normalize it. So, so what I'm hearing is it's not that those people with severe autism aren't there, but it's that they're probably in their homes. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, they definitely are. And I know, you know, everyone's situation is different. You know, what's easy to me might be hard to someone else and vice versa. Um, so the, for the parents that can't, I mean, it's okay, but I do highly encourage them to try. And if they can't do it alone, try it with someone. I wanted to ask you about um, Ali, your oldest son. Mm-hmm. Uh, just his experiences, uh, you know, having two younger brothers with autism. How do you feel that developed his character? And also you as parents, how did it uh, shape you um, as individuals? Um, I'll start with myself. Um, I have to say, and I was driving the other day in the car and I was thinking about it. Um, I was thinking about Hassan mainly. Um, he... He's definitely changed me and his father, honestly, so much. I feel my patience is so much better now. I look at the world differently. Um, a lot of things that maybe would have mattered to me before don't anymore. I appreciate so much more um, of what life has given us. And, you know, I, I we're living with angels. Like, you know, what, what better than that? Like, we're so lucky that I actually have, like, I literally say I have two angels at home, you know? And um, I'm thankful for that. And this is where the tears are going to start coming in. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for that. But And I also say, like, there's a reason why Hassan um, was given to us. You know, I feel like Hassan, not only what we're doing is, like, helping him, I feel like he's also is helping other kids, you know? Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we have the tissues for a reason. <laughs> That's why I said get the tissues. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so me, I it definitely, I feel like, made me a better person. Um, Ali... Um, I was really quiet about it, but I do think it it shaped him into the person he is. And you know, alhamdulillah, he's he's a really really good 
young man. He, um, I feel um, he's wise beyond his years and um, he's very respectful. I feel like he he feels a lot more with people, you know. And one thing, you know, we were talking about earlier, I, I kind of feel bad for is because I feel like Ali is trying to think about what he wants to do in his future in a way to more so, not for himself, but to support his brother. You know, he's trying to figure out, like, okay, I'm going to school. What am I going to do in school? He wants to do something that he feels like is going to be able to not only support his family, but also his brother as well. Because he tells me, he's like, Mom, like, he's not going to go into, like, any home or anything. He's going to stay with me. Um, and um, so, yeah. The best thing for that, uh, I'm not a parent or anything, but I think the best thing for that is for him to uh, to to do what he's most comfortable doing. This is also what I mentioned earlier. Um, because uh, the best thing he can do for his brothers is to be there. Mm -hmm. And for him to be fully there, mm -hmm. he needs to do what he loves because that's going to keep him in the right mindset. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And we told him, like his father and I, we've mentioned, don't worry about that. Like, that's why I'm working. That's why his father is working. And we have a plan, you know. So I, I, we don't want him to worry about it. We just tell him, you do what is going to make you happy, what's going to make you comfortable. But I feel like no matter how much we say it, خلص, it's in his head that my brothers are my responsibility. Yeah, I mean, it's it's his blood at the end of yeah. the day. And, and he grew up with it. So I, I don't think isolating the two and, and yeah. just ignoring it is, is necessarily like the best thing yeah. um and if it is informing his future goals then yeah. then so be it he'll he'll be more competent in in his field with his lived experiences yeah. more than someone else who who didn't have those lived experiences no. alhamdulillah honestly alhamdulillah he he helps out so much like he if it was like he takes his brothers and brings his brothers to therapy Hassan, um he the first i the first name he called was actually Ali. He didn't say Ali, he says Oye, but I mean, we know that's Ali and he looks for him when he's not around. So he has like that really strong bond with his brothers. Um, but I feel like if you ask him to talk about it, he's like really kind of, he keeps it all in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think that is that is normal. It's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but hopefully with platforms like these, um, it, it's becoming a bit easier. Mm -hmm. uh, before we go on our break, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the therapies that are going on right mm -hmm. now. You mentioned therapy. Mm -hmm. um, so what kind of therapies do your your children, do they currently go to therapy? So um, Hassan does. Hadi was, but he graduated out of ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. And I've, I've heard different things about ABA. Yes. I don't know if we want to jump into that. I mean, I'm not a professional in that field, but I believe, you know, on a personal level, if it's done correctly, it, it's really helpful. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of different views on it. And, you know, today I was actually talking to a parent and I told a parent, like I said, from a parent to parent, if you want ABA to really be effective, you need to be like in close communication with that BCBA, um, the person that, you know, creates the programs and make sure that you don't have a lot of technicians working with your child because whoever's working with your child you want to make sure they know the program so if every day someone new is coming in and working with your child they don't really know the program yeah you know yeah. so it's really important that you have that close communication with that bcba and also make sure you limit the amount of technicians working with your child it's also harder um, for the child sorry to cut you off it definitely is yeah. it definitely is um but again if it's done correctly um and you're working with the right people i think it's very effective on a personal level, I think it's worked great for my kids. Um, with Hattie, we realized that, you know, Khalas, he's kind of, he's 
alhamdulillah, he's doing well, and we didn't feel like he needed ABA anymore. Um, so what we did with him now is he's mainly in, like, sports. Like, he goes to boxing. We're going to hopefully put him in, like, taekwondo. Um, he, he wants to do that. He wants to play sports. So because of his – we want him to have, like, that social life. Um, Bahsin is still currently receiving ABA services, and he um, also receives, Hattie as well, speech services. But then there's also occupational therapy, physical therapy. All depends on the the, the child's need. And adult, I keep saying child. I feel bad, but the, also adults with of autism. Course, I course. feel like we tend to forget about the adults with autism. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, we'll take our break now. But this has been great. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you or someone you know would be interested in being a guest on the podcast, or if you have any feedback please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at dreamdearborn or on our website at dreamdearborn.org or on our email at disabilitiesproject at umich.edu. Thank you. Okay, welcome back everyone to Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn um, where we're talking about autism, we're talking about Blue Hands United and all the amazing work that Mariam has done and her experiences with her children. Um, thank you so much for having this honest and candid conversation thank with you. us. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about uh, the idea of parent involvement when it comes to uh, autism, because you're a very involved parent. Uh, but unfortunately, not every parent is like that. Um, not every child, not every parent who has a child with a disability um, is as involved. And that could be for many, many different reasons. Uh, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on parent involvement in uh, in relation to how it affects the outcome of a child with a particular disability? I think parent involvement is, is key. You know, we always say you are your child's voice, and you definitely are your child's voice. So definitely being involved and having that close communication with the BCBA, your, 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 your child's teacher at school, um, I feel like it just changes so much. And I think it strengthens you as a parent as well because you're learning through the process too. Um, you're learning from different professionals and you're just, I don't know, you're just more observant with things, you know? And um, I think as a parent, um, you know your child the best and it's and it's important. It's important to share your experiences at home with your teachers, your BCBAs and all of them. Um, I, just to add to that, I also think it's important uh, as a parent, you know, being a, a person so close to your child, uh, I also think it's important to, um, like provide some kind of way for your child to open up, you know, uh, and and maybe it can be as simple as just writing their what they're thinking down on a paper, not for a specific question, mm -hmm. you know, just in general what they're thinking about, or you know, re representing it in some way. But um, one thing that I always like to think about is, okay, uh, people with autism, they have like I don't know if this is true or not. I just this is how I think of it. Um, they have like a, a different way of looking at the world. And it's not necessarily a bad way, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it could be something as simple as like, okay, we look at uh, we look at a tree, for example, as just a plant, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but they might look at it as like something that's provides oxygen, you know, provides a home for a certain insects, just different way of looking at mm -hmm. things. And I think that can translate to uh, doing something like tremendous, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we look at all the examples of, of famous people in the past who have autism, have other disabilities, and they were able to accomplish so much and change the world. And I think um, that if we kind of, you know, allow 
people with autism, our children, you know, uh, but also our adults as well. If we allow them to open up uh, and, you know, provide the, the way they think and, and know that that's okay to share that, I think that'll go a long way in helping them understand that, okay, I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to add that. But yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, it's very important. I feel like, you know, they also feel so much more than maybe we do. You know, they, I don't know, maybe like they just feel your strength and they, 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 I don't want to do more too. I, I, I just think it's really important um, as a parent to advocate not only for your child, but again, just to go back to what we were saying earlier, for others to also learn and I want people to actually ask me questions like, you know, when we're out, I don't know how I got into this, but right now, but, um, I feel like if we as parents are more vocal about it, we provide opportunities for others to ask questions. So like, we're kind of unintentionally like educating because we're, we're open about it and we're allowing people to feel comfortable because maybe it's that they, it's an issue with them that you know, they don't feel comfortable asking, but if they see that you're more open about it and that you're speaking about it, then they'll feel comfortable asking you questions. So I feel like if being involved wasn't just for myself and my kids, but also for others outside of our home, just for people in the community to see and ask questions. Right. And speaking of opportunities, uh, just to take this back to Blue Hands United a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, what kinds of services um, do you guys offer as well as uh are there any like volunteer opportunities for people to get involved? Absolutely, we always um, welcome volunteers um, on our website. Um, there's a link where um, anyone could go and just like put in your name if you want to be a volunteer. And so Blue Hands United, we right now we're we're like the middle person. We're the middle person between like schools. We support families kind of navigate the school system, um, and also within the community. Like I said earlier, we kind of support them with getting like. ABA services or um, uh, CLS services. We just, we provide them with, you know, names of places. We also call for them, um, emotional support, um, financial support. And then also our goal is right now we have a summer program. Um, It's about to start actually Saturday. We have like a pool party going on. Um, So we want to do things throughout the year um, for parents that have um, a child, not only with autism. So I know Initially, we said Blue Hands United for Autism. So we kind of kind of dropped the autism piece. Yes, we mainly support families with autism, but we never turned on anyone else. Like we've had families that have a child with Down syndrome that asks ask for support. We will never turn down any other family. So um, right now I feel like we're supporting any family that has any um, loved one with a disability in general. Um, but so we try to hold different um, events around like around Dearborn where we we went to restaurants we um, went to the zoo together just give them these experiences that maybe as a parent by yourself you're going to be nervous or you don't want to feel different so just give them the opportunities to experience different um, you know like going to the pool going to the zoo you know going to the park and I think if if that's the only thing you guys did that would that alone would be sufficient and I know you guys do so much more than that but just giving parents and families the sense that they're not alone goes such a long way because they really are not alone. It, it's just hidden, um, you know, uh, swiped under the rug or whatever the, yeah. the phrase is. Uh, but but you, you, you know what I'm trying to say. It's like the fact that you're making these things a reality, I, I think, uh, and, and showing that these are real things, I think it's very important. Thank you. I mean, to me, that was the most important thing. I want families to know that you are not alone. I want 
families to, you know, to be more comfortable with taking their, I, I can't stress, like, I feel like I need to stress this. I can't stress it enough that take your kids out. I know it's hard. I, I know it's hard, but I feel like it's so important for others to see our kids. It's, yeah. It has to become something natural. And I like what Rashad was saying earlier. We didn't really touch on it when he was talking about the trees and their way of thinking. I think having that diversity mm-hmm. of, of thought, mm-hmm. having that diversity and, and then including these individuals, whether in the classroom mm-hmm. or in the public, is mm-hmm. such an important thing. And a very good example of a person who does that is Halal Food Junkie, mm-hmm. Ibrahim. I... I appreciate how he always brings his that. brother Aki, um, you know, on on his uh, on his page, and he has a lot to offer. So doing things like that, I, I think, goes a long way. It definitely, and I know in schools they are pushing inclusions and yeah. you know general ed classrooms, um, and I feel like we need to do that outside in the community as well. Um, one other thing that we are working on is um, we're working for with the local like businesses to hire adults with autism. Oh, that's um, great. We did that for um, one individual that um, came to us and uh, we, we need more of that. I remember seeing something on the Blue Hands United yeah. page. I was yeah. probably looking at it uh, one night and uh, I saw um, a kid at Greenland. Yes. <laughs> probably a very old post. Uh, yeah, well, he's at Target now. So, okay. okay. Was it Target? Or one of the stores. I'm not sure yeah, what he is. Yeah. He is. That's amazing. Stores, yeah. That's great. And I, I know there's um, there are other stores solely run by individuals with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Could you speak a little bit on those? Um, I don't think we, we don't have any in Dearborn, but I do know another. Um, there's that thrift store on Ford and Telegraph. Um, I know there is. Forgetting what it's a, called. Oh, my God. I can't remember the name of this place, but. Everything made is made by individuals with autism and they sell oh. it. There's a coffee shop. I, I can't believe I forgot the name. There is a coffee shop I said I wanted to go visit as well that also um, hires individuals with like disabilities. Um, that's something like we would love to bring to Dearborn too. Um, yeah. Who has you added? We have a lot um, of plans, of future plans and future goals. Um, inshallah, like we can. We just need, I feel like, more support from the community um, on the educating and also like sponsoring and donating. So. Um, just to help us reach that goal. Blue Hands United is definitely involved, like in the community. You know, you have the services that are by name mm-hmm. uh, that people can get and that you provide to to the community. But you also have community involvement, which isn't directly like, you know, a service provided mm-hmm. by you. But just trying to go and and uh, communicate and interact with as many people as possible and help as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. I came across this one article that um, spoke about something you guys did last year, uh, which touched a lot of people. Um, is when the floods hit, mm. uh, you guys were kind of um, like, you reached out to families or you had them fill out a form. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure if, if you want to talk a little bit about that, but um, basically families that had special needs children, um, if they had like a certain uh, device or, or mm-hmm. you know, um, a school supplies or anything that got messed up in the flood, you guys were uh, kind of providing them with that yeah. thing, you know? Uh, so. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that, it would be much appreciated. And also, another thing that I want to know from that, uh, I keep hitting you with these long questions. I'm sorry, but <laughs> maybe um, let her hit this question, and then we can go back. To okay, that one. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, during COVID, I knew on a personal level how hard it is because now their routine is, you know, their routine was it was broken. So, and we couldn't hold any of our events that were in person. So we were. We wanted to do something. We were feeling bad. And how could we support, you know? 
and we felt like the best way to support is to to give back you know especially we we had parents email us that like you said certain devices or certain blankets that they loved or toys um were damaged you know through the flood and we 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 wanted to support and we felt like that would be for that time the best way to support and so we did we tried to replace like the items that were um damaged by the flood um and alhamdulillah it was it was pretty successful so we were just we were happy to do it because we had we were actually so we have a yearly event in april and we couldn't hold that and we were feeling so bad about it so we were just trying to find different ways to stay connected with the community and you know showing them that continue to reach out we're here like even you know for emotional support we did have a lot of parents also call and just they just wanted to vent you know because ABA services stopped, you know, the school. Because of COVID? Because of COVID. Yeah, so yeah. L- let's talk a little oh, bit about. Oh, you said flood. I went into COVID, sorry. Okay. <laughs> it was related. The flood happened during, you Did know. It? Okay, yeah, so everything is kind of COVID-19 like. COVID-19 flooded our community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it all overlaps. It's just the idea of services for individuals with yeah. disabilities, which were already relatively limited, being further limited mm-hmm. by these by these uh, natural catastrophes and, and whatnot. Yeah, I guess it all played the same in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about once we first found out about COVID-19 and how it affected Blue Hands United as an organization. Yeah. Um, what What was your response dealing with it after having all of these services and everything you guys did? I, I'm sure, you know, everything got flipped on its head. Yeah, well, I kind of sort of like, I don't know how I mixed the flood with COVID, but so yes, our event. So we have this yearly event that, you know, over 600 people like attend. Um, and we usually hold it in uh, one of the Dearborn Public Schools uh, gym, and we couldn't hold it anymore. And then also a lot of what I was saying earlier, like the services, the ABA services, speech, school, everything stopped. So we couldn't, we, we couldn't support um, physically. So we tried to just support, you know, emotionally, mentally, however we could. We stayed in close communication with parents. If we knew of any services that were occurring, like for the for the child in home, we informed the parents um, again. And we did like if there was any toys or anything that we can support with, or even like educational um, items that we can support with um, while they're in the home. We did that. Um, a lot of families called with um, their child's behaviors increasing. So we kind of guided them as to what they can do at home. Um, maybe Could we talk a little bit more about the, the, the children or even the adults with yeah. these various disabilities? Uh, you talked about their behaviors increasing. Yeah. Did we hear anything else? So mainly the behaviors, the sleep schedule, um, parents, emo- they were emotionally drained, physically drained. Um, and then also online schooling is very difficult for yeah. a child with autism. They can't sit for a long period of time and a lot know. of the therapy services you know they got paused or they were in home but mm-hmm. well in home later but they're via you know telehealth right but i mean how many individuals with autism can sit for over 15 to 30 minutes on you know in front of a screen um but so we mainly supported in that in emotionally i feel like and um, we provided them ideas for like calming strategies and also um, calming corners. And if we they needed supplies for the calming corners, we also provided that as well. Um, so yeah. Um, during your time, you know, providing those things to families, uh, did you notice like the differences in in things that 
people appreciate and people need? And do you think that can lead to like maybe an online um, list of, of something for parents to try maybe or for children um, or anybody with you know, with a disability to try and see if they'd enjoy using that thing or, or having that service? Um, when you say, like, when you say appreciate, like, can you just, I'm sorry, can you? So, so like, um, whatever it may be, you know, whether, uh, this goes back to the flood a little bit mm -hmm. too, but like the devices, or you mentioned a blanket as well, yeah. uh, but like anything that somebody really appreciates, you know, and holds dear to their heart, uh, do you think that could be translated to like an online list or something like that where other people can also try oh, those absolutely. things, try using them? Absolutely, and, and I actually yeah. like that idea, having that online list, absolutely. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I should, right? No, no, definitely. And a lot of it is, you know, just like fidgets and sensory toys and weighted blankets and- Do those things actually help with them? I mean, I, I've read some research on, on I, fidgets. I, I, I don't know about- I, Basically, depending on their sensory need, or what they're trying to communicate, certain fidgets will work. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you have this child that is, you know, overly stimulated, you're not going to, like, give them a ball to throw or to play with. Yeah. You want to give them something calming, you know? And that's why I think if having that list is important, so they can kind of see what works best. Absolutely. Having that list and kind of listing, okay, this will help with, you know, this type of sensory need and this type or this type of sensory. So, no, definitely, I think yeah. your question is important. Yeah, yeah something my husband and I did, and I'm not saying this is right, this is just something we did. Um, I know with autism, a lot of individuals have a lot of sensory needs. Um, for me, and I feel like this is just a personal thing, I always think about my children in the future. What would look appropriate later on in the future? Had he, he did a lot of like hand stimming and a lot of turning. So when he was younger, what we felt would be most appropriate, so instead of him flapping his hands, we would grab his hands and play Ring Around the Rosie. We would try to give him that sensory input in a way that at that time was appropriate, looked appropriate. Um, so even with Ahsan, a lot of times at school with occupational therapy, they focused a lot on that sensory. And I asked them not to do that. You know, um, I think it is important to provide it, but I. For me, this is me on a personal no, level. I, I, I wanted to limit it for my child. Um, just because I, you know, yes, I would provide you that sensory input, but then, okay, let's move on. You know, let's do something yeah. else. Um, I, I didn't, because a lot of times when I go to doctors and, and they ask me, like, oh, so what is a repetitive behavior? What are they, like, sensory-wise and stuff? And, I'm, and there isn't anything, because I feel like my husband and I worked hard on just truly understanding what the need wa was and at that age what is appropriate yeah and i'm not saying this is going to work for everyone but it worked for us and that's something that we wanted as parents for our children it sounds like finding your own solutions whatever works is 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 the key um yeah. because a lot of these things aren't generalizable uh one thing i found helpful for individuals with disabilities and even uh, certain individuals on the autism spectrum is uh chess i actually started a chess organization mm -hmm. uh called chess for success mm -hmm. and we actually get people with various you know all walks of life uh some who have disabilities others uh, without disabilities but uh we've had a few individuals with autism learn the game and you know it stimulates their mind mm -hmm. it, um, and it kind of gives them some relief in a sense because there's so much novelty in chess. Every position is different. So in that way, it's um, it's very stimulating. So, yeah, it, was, it goes back to finding uh, solutions or whatever works for uh, 
any given person. Yeah, we always say, uh, you know, behavior is a form of communication. So if they are engaging in behavior, what are they trying to communicate? You know, really think about what happened before that behavior occurred. Just truly try to understand your child in that sense. Look at the environment. Is it something in the environment that affected them? You know, I feel like the hardest behavior to to figure out is more of like the sensory, the ones that are happening internally. But um, just give them ways to communicate, you know. Um, and yeah, just truly understanding where is this behavior coming from? We've talked about many great things. Um, I think it's time for Rashad to take us to our final segment that we uh, we like to ask all our guests. Um, we like to ask our guests uh, a specific question. We call it a dream, dream segment. Um, the question is, what is your dream? And that can be related to anything, you know, any goals that you have for the future, whether for yourself, for your family, um, anything in general. But yeah, what is your dream? Um, Big question. Yeah. I feel like I can answer in so many ways, but you know, my my dream is for. I don't know. I want, just like any parent, I want the best for my kid. You know, I want people. Oh my god, I'm gonna emotional. I don't know why. <laughs> I want. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I want people to treat my children like they would anyone else. I want parents to educate their children on special needs and you know just teach them to be kind to give others that are different an opportunity um you know give them a chance play with them talk to them um i feel like we are living in a world with these high expectations you know um so maybe lower your standards you know and and just see each individual for who they are um our kids have so much that they can provide, and I wish people, you know, stop looking at them based off of their label and rather who they are and what they can provide. Um, you know, my my dream is just to have more opportunities for our kids, whether, you know, they're younger or they're adults, and um, just for people to have empathy and passion and just support and just educate, you know, you guys heard it um give everyone an equal opportunity treat everyone with uh respect and empathy and uh i i think with you being here with you i i think your tears hold a lot of weight uh so thank you for being very transparent and i i think like conversations like these inshallah will will make a change um in our community and i think our community is already doing amazing things uh but yeah, no, you guys are amazing. Blue Hands United is amazing. Everyone check out Blue Hands United. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for you. for your time, Mariam. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah, um, <laughs> just the, the, the emotions that uh, you show are, are, they show how passionate you are about this. And uh, I think a lot of people can feed off that energy and uh, really make a change. So thank you for that. Um, Thank you for being here with us. Oh, thank you for having me. And I, I'm confident. I'm confident in our community. And I think, you know, inshallah, we'll get there. Um, I just, you know, just be kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that, if we don't have anything else, um, I'd like to give one more huge thank you to Mariam for sharing her knowledge and experiences with us today. A huge thank you to the audience for watching at home. Be sure to follow us on our social media, Dream Dearborn on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website, dreamdearborn.org. Thanks so much. 
We'll see you on the next episode.